Now, I'm, I'm very, very excited that you came today because we're starting a brand new series called Viral. How many of you know what a viral video is? Come on, come on. No, no, hold it up. Some of you don't want to play. I understand. Hold it up. I didn't come to church to raise my hand. Come on, put your hand up. I just want to sit and watch. All right. Most of you know what a viral video is. I bet most of you can't tell me or anybody else what makes a viral video viral. Like we throw that word around a lot, and I, and I thought, I really have no idea. But I know this, this is the first generation in history that viral is more likely to refer to a video than a sickness. Right? So what makes a video viral? Well, the common thinking for a long time was a video that has one million views. But that technology has grown so much, now it's said that a video needs to have a minimum of five million views in three to seven days. So it not only has to be viewed a lot, it has to move fast. One of the other criteria is that it has buzz. Like, are people watching it and then talking about it? Are they telling other people about it and, you know, sharing it? So this morning what I did is I brought, uh, depending on what list you look at, the, the number one most viral video of all time, and I, and I wonder how many of you, this is like from 2007 or 8, I want to show it to you and see if you remember it. Remember these guys? How many of you remember these guys? Charlie. Charlie bit me. How many of you remember that video? You remember that? Yeah? Isn't that great? That, that video, first off, their accent is awesome. Isn't it right? Little British kids or wherever they're from. Uh, I, I wouldn't know the difference. Maybe, I, I don't think Australian. 861 million views. That's like two and a half times the population of America. Now there's another video. I don't know if it's gone viral, but it, it, if it hasn't, it's going to. How many of you have seen this, uh, this right here? Huh? H how many of you think it's Laurel? Well, you're wrong. It's Yanny. Just wanted everybody to know that. It's not Laurel, it's Yanny. You're wrong. I just wanted you to know that. The, the other night we were eating dinner out with a family and our kids are telling, telling us about this, and so we're, you know, listening to it and playing, and you're like, you're, you're crazy, you're out of your mind. How do you hear Laurel? There's no L. There's no R. How do you, you know, and then of course you're back and forth. And then like a few tables over, this whole family of 12 people were doing the same thing. And then I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at the monitor in the restaurant, and the evening news comes on, and they do a special on Yanny or Laurel. And I thought, oh my goodness, my brain is blowing up. It takes technology to make something move that fast. But imagine, imagine 2,000 years ago. There's no internet. 
There's no electricity. There's no mass media or airplanes. How did the news about Jesus travel so fast? At the beginning of the church, the gospel spread from 120 people to thousands of people in a matter of days. The book of Acts, which is the book that we're going to be studying this summer, starting today and throughout the summer, uh, the rest of May, June, and July, this series called Viral. We're going to be studying the book of Acts, actually the first 12 chapters. Next summer, we're going to do the second 12 chapters. The book of Acts covers about 30 years of church history. And in those 30 years, listen to this, the gospel spread to 32 countries, 54 cities, and 9 islands. In 30 years. With no electricity, no technology, nothing like that. How did that happen? How did the gospel go viral? That's what the book of Acts is all about. I, I, I did want to give you one graphic to give you a, a background understanding of the book Acts. So t take a look at this. This might look a little confusing. This, these are the, all the books of the New Testament laid out by category. So over here you have a biography, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the books of the Bible that are about Jesus. This is about Jesus' life, his ministry, his teaching, his death, his resurrection. And then under history, now we'll talk a little bit about that, because some people think Acts is only a history book, and other people, like me, think it's a handbook. It's the way the church didn't just operate for a set time, but operates for all time. But uh, that's Acts. And then you have 21 letters. In other words, these are writers in the New Testament who wrote a letter to a specific church or set of churches. And then you have prophecy, which, which is Revelation. So here's the thing that you need to know for the book of Acts. We have no Bible information about what happened after Jesus' death and resurrection and between that and the New Testament letters that are written other than Acts. Acts is a bridge that connects Jesus' life to the life of the church as it, as it went viral around the world. So if you don't have the book of Acts, you've got a giant gap missing in our history and understanding of what happened immediately after Jesus' resurrection. So that's one of the reasons the book of Acts is so important. The book of Acts is all about how God used ordinary, everyday people to change the world, and not just their world, but our world. So you and I are not going to be in heaven just because of what Jesus did. We're going to get to go to heaven because of what Jesus did and what these ordinary, everyday people in the book of Acts did also. They are the ones that are responsible for spreading the gospel all over the known world at that time. And that's the way God's work always works. It's part Him and it's part us. He won't do your part and you can't do His part. But it's always a combination. So the book of Acts is all about action. The book of Acts, Acts, it's the Acts, the actions. I think it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit, not the apostles. The Acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. The acts of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times, and I think this is so important because we think that these are superheroes or something like this. These are everyday average people. These are men and women and people with even low status and sometimes slaves and, uh, and, and women who didn't even have equal footing in culture at the time and fishermen and all of this. 
And, and, uh, and it's important that we be challenged in our faith in this book because a lot of times we believe our faith, but we don't act on our faith. So during this study, my prayer for you is that you'll transition from a spectator to a participant. And you'll find out how it is that God wants to use you to change the world. Because if they can change the world, we can change the world. See, one day you and I are going to leave this earth, and people who love us are going to stand around in a room like this, and they're going to talk about us at our funeral. They're going to talk about what kind of life we lived, and they're going to talk about what was important with us, to us. And on that day, it's going to be crystal clear. A lot of people are going to reflect on what our life meant. And the question I have for you is, what will they say about you? Will they talk about your accomplishments? Will they talk about your talent? Will they talk about your family? Will they talk about your relationships, your personality? I hope at my funeral, someone will say, he was really close to Jesus. That's what I hope. Now you may say, oh, you don't have to worry about that. You're a pastor. You'd be surprised. A lot of times you go to a minister's funeral and they talk about their accomplishments or whatever. Their preaching or something or their leadership. I hope when I die, I've lived a life that it's obvious that I'm really, really close to Jesus. So how do you live a life, if you're taking notes this morning, how do you live a life that goes viral? Number one, get as close to Jesus as you can. Get as close to Jesus as you can. When you die, I don't want you to stand face to face with a stranger. When you die, I want you to go to heaven and I want you to be able to run toward not a stranger, but a familiar Lord and personal Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what I want for you. That's my dream for you. That's God's dream for you. I, I've, I've had the opportunity throughout my life to pick different people up at the airport. And uh, it's always a unique occasion because the level of relationship you have with the person you pick up dictates how those first few seconds go, right? I I've been the guy at the airport that's holding a sign for someone I've never met and don't know what they look like. And you're just hoping, hey, are you them? And they're looking for the sign. And I've also met people at the airport, and, and man, the first, before any words even came out, there was a full-on warm embrace. Because you say, there you are. I hope when you get to heaven, it'll be more like this one. I hope you're not holding the sign. Saying, is that you, Jesus? Your personal Savior, Jesus Christ. I rarely watch commercials, but every now and then I catch a good one. And, uh, and one of my favorite commercials is a beer commercial. No, 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 wait, wait. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. I don't know why the best commercials are beer commercials. I have no idea why. Maybe they have the most money. I don't know. I don't know. But one of my favorite is the beer commercial. For the last 10 years, this commercial of this one particular beer has featured a character who is said to be the most interesting man. You know it, you sinners. You know it. You know it. The most interesting man on earth. You might not know this. He retired this spring. And he's not going to be the most interesting man on earth anymore. Apparently. The contract ran out or something. 
And what's funny is, is he's advertising a Mexican beer, and I, don't, I think he's white. I don't even think he's Hispanic. I don't know how that works out. But during his last commercial, he takes a spaceship to Mars, flies away, and he says, my only regret is, I didn't have any regrets. <laughs> oh, come on. Really? Really, you don't have any regrets? Well, you know it's a commercial then. They're selling something. The thing is, he's not the most interesting man on earth because all of you haven't even heard of him. And 10 years from now, no one will remember him. What about 100 years from now? Or 1,000 years from now? Or 2,000 years from now? But today we're talking about a man who lived in a forgotten little corner of the world 2,000 years ago, and we're still talking about Jesus today. And my guess is he would be the most recognizable name on the whole earth because he's the most interesting man on earth. If that's the truth, then why is it that some of you know more about the real housewives and the Kardashians or the local sports star or a politician or the local news? Why is it that some of us know more about those things than we do about the man that we worship as God? Acts 1.1 says, in my former book, Theophilus, the same, most people believe the same person that wrote Acts wrote the book of Luke. So it would be a, really awesome if you want to study um, Acts with us this summer. I would encourage you to start at Luke and then go directly from the end of Luke to Acts. And so, because Luke starts in this book, Theophilus. So in my former book, we're talking about Luke, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. What's in the book of Luke? Everything you need to know about Jesus is in the book of Luke. Verse 3. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So Jesus died. He came back from the dead. He appeared not once, not twice, but many, 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 many times to many, 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 many people in his resurrected body, and he had conversations with them. And what did he talk about? Verse 3 tells us, he talked about the kingdom of God. Now, why is that important? That's important because it's been another tough week in America. Another school shooting. And at times like these, people ask, you know, where's God? What, what's God doing about this? And a lot of your friends who are away from God, who are slipping away from God, at times like this get overwhelmed with how bad the world is and how much worse our particular country is getting. And they ask, what is God doing about it? And they just get fed up. And that's a good place to be. Fed up is a good place to be because God is building a new heaven and a new earth and there's going to be no death and no disease and no terrorism and he's going to wipe away every tear and he's invited you to be a part of that kingdom and he's invited your friends to be a part of that kingdom. And the only thing you have to do is repent of your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the reason we need to know Jesus and to know the Bible is because the news that we hear and the condition of the world is depressing. But the gospel will give you hope. 
This isn't all there is. I know it's bad. It's probably going to get worse. But there's good news. That's not the end of the story. Get as close to Jesus as you can. How, how do you live a viral life? Number two, live every day fueled by God's Spirit. Look, some of you needed a couple of shots of caffeine just to get here today. Right? Come on now. Coffee drinkers, where are you? Yeah. Right? It just it, 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 it kind of like get the, get the rock rolling. You know what I mean? Kind of get up off the, get moving. I, I, I knew a lady um, who ran a daycare at home. And she drank two 50-ounce mugs of coffee a day. Two. If you cut her, she would bleed coffee. Two a day. One entire mug before any kid got there. And another mug to get the kids out of there. Like her coffee had coffee. When I was a kid, all we really had is, you know, Coke and Coke products. And then there was this drink called Jolt. How many, how many remember Jolt? Remember that? Remember that? I mean, it was like twice or whatever. And so now we've come out with this whole line of energy drinks. You know, Red Bull and Rockstar and Monster. It ought to tell you something that we're naming them scary things. You know, Monster. These drinks were invented to give you energy when you're going to do a workout. Like that's what they were for, to kind of give you a boost to get you through your workout. What's bad is we have a whole group of people pounding them down playing video games. Somebody answer the phone. That, that's not, that can't be a good combination. And energy drinks are just flying off the shelf because as a society we're saying we're tired. We don't need an energy drink. What we need is the Holy Spirit. And, and that's what the book of Acts is going to talk about. How to live a life fueled by the Holy Spirit. And it's so sad that we've made the Holy Spirit this controversial issue. And I guess that's just what we do in Christianity too many times. But the Holy Spirit's not someone to be afraid of. He doesn't want to make you bizarre. He doesn't want to turn you into some kind of weirdo. If you become a weirdo, it's because you've decided to become a weirdo. You made yourself a weirdo. Don't blame the Holy Spirit for that. Because he's not weird. But what he does want to do is give you the gift of his spirit. In the entire book of Luke, there was one person, only one person, full of the Holy Spirit. His name was Jesus. And in Luke chapter 4, 14, the Bible says Jesus returned to Galilee. Look at this. In the power of the Spirit... Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And what was the result of that power? News spread about him throughout the whole countryside. Viral. That's what happened. Filled with the Holy Spirit's power. How many of you today want to be filled with the Holy Spirit's power? You need the Spirit's power in your life. Well, if you're a parent, you need it. Because children are evil. Right? It's warfare, man. If you're here today and you're trying to stay married, you need the Spirit's power. If you're going to a work environment where most of the people around you aren't saved, you need the Spirit's power. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to live like Jesus. 
And you may be thinking, I could never live like Jesus. Exactly. Not in your own power. But the Holy Spirit will give you the power to live like Jesus. So what does the Holy Spirit do to you? (laughs) What does he do to you? Watch. This is going to be a revelation. He makes you a better person. What, what, What does that mean? The work of the Holy Spirit is to conform you and I into the image of Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He glorifies Jesus and he conforms us into the image of Jesus. And so any work that the Holy Spirit is really doing, you know, if you want to test the work that's in your life and see if it's from the Holy Spirit or not, see if it's from Jesus, is a real simple way. Is it making you more like Jesus or not? If it's making you less like him, I don't know what spirit it is. It's not the Holy One. So you say, it makes me a better person. Are you saying being filled with the Holy Spirit makes me better than other people? It does make you better than one person. The person you were before you were filled with the Spirit. It makes you better than you. Not better than anybody else. So Galatians 5 tells us what the work of the Spirit looks like. 22. But the fruit of who? The Spirit. Same Spirit, not a different one. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. None of us need any more of that. Nobody needs any more love, right? You know, on the way here, you're probably riding somebody's bumper. You don't need any more love, right? You fight with your wife, your husband, all the way home. You don't need any more love. We don't need any more love. How about joy? I'm so sick of joy. I'm so sick of being happy. I don't want to be any more happier. <laughs> wouldn't want any more joy. That'd just deconstruct the whole society and blow it up, wouldn't it? Well, we're real short on joy today, aren't we? This is the work of the Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to him who asks? Like, like, This isn't scary, and it's not weird, and it's not complicated. We've made it all that. You just ask. God's Spirit is a good gift. And we all need more of God's power, and more of God's presence, and more of God's Spirit. Our our issue is not that we've heard this before and we've been there before and we've already been filled with the Holy Spirit and we already got that and been there and done that. No, no, no. Our, our, Our deal is not that we have too much or we already have. Our deal is we don't have enough. That's our deal. So today we cry out, Holy Spirit, we need more of you. More of you today. Number three, how do you live a life that goes viral? Focus on what Jesus called you to do. Too many Christians are frustrated because they don't know what their purpose is. And this is sad because Jesus told us. Jesus has called you and I to all do the same thing. To share Jesus with other people. Now now you might do it different than me. I might do it different than you. We might all do it at different times in different ways in different places. But it's the same 
thing we've been called to do. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. So we talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. In other words, this isn't the first time we're talking about this. Like before I was crucified, before I died, before I came back to We've talked about this before. So this isn't, this isn't like a surprise. For John baptized with water, that's water baptism, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, watch this, this is, this is a, a, a huge shift in the first chapter of Acts that we generally read over too quickly. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That's such an interesting question. Because what they actually did is changed the subject. I want you to notice that there's a contrast in what they wanted to know about and what Jesus wanted them to do. Why is that important? It's important because we're Christians. <laughs> and that's what we tend to do. There's going to be a contrast in what Jesus will tell you and what you want him to tell you. There'll be a contrast. And it's real easy to get this messed up. And if you think you're the one that can't get it messed up, you're probably the one that's got it most messed up. Why would I say that? Because these disciples were handpicked by Jesus. They walked with him in the flesh for three years. They saw him hang on the cross and die, crucified. They watched him walk out of the grave. They looked at the scars in his hands and feet. They sat and ate with him and talked with him. And last thing before he ascends and goes to heaven, he says, this is going to happen. And they got it wrong. And if they can get it wrong, you and I can get it wrong. So what do they want to know? Is this the end of the world? Jesus, are you going to restore heaven now? And their question is about the end times. Christians are fascinated about the end times. Do you know the number one selling Christian novel of all times? Left Behind series. Number one. What's it about? The end times. How's it all going to happen? You know, how afraid should we be? What are the signs? What's it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? We're fascinated by it. Those books will outsell how to share your faith books one to a hundred, one to a million. There's never been a rush in the bookstore on the how to share your faith books. The next time I hear somebody say to me, I just believe Jesus is coming soon. I think my head's going to fall off. I don't even know what scripture you're getting that from. But it's not in the Bible. In fact, the opposite is in the Bible. And there has to be a place that we call that kind of bad theology out. Because it damages the church and the mission of Christ and it distracts us from the one thing he asked us to do. At best, it's misinterpreting. At worst, it's misrepresenting. If you want to fill a meeting up, host an end times conference. They'll come from all over like the Beverly Hillbillies. And they'll talk about the blood moons and the flying purple people eater and the seven-headed dragon and everything else. The signs and wonders in the sky. 
If you want to fill a meeting, have a Holy Ghost hoedown with signs and wonders, and they'll come from everywhere. If you want to empty a meeting, hold a conference on how to share your faith. You have about six people there. It will not sell out. Why? Because this is the one thing Jesus asked us to do, and what we like to study is not what he wants us to do. What we're interested in is not what he was interested in. There's a contrast. And he said, hey, look, this is the one thing you are never going to know. And maybe it just eats at our soul that there's something we can't know and we want to know it. Maybe, maybe it's the illusion of control. If I understand the end times, I'm, I can somehow be in control of them. You can't. Acts 1-7, he said to them, what did Jesus say? Not what did the local, you know, all that. What did he say? It is not for you to know. I, I, I don't think it could be plainer. It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by His own authority. So let me give you my strong encouragement. Avoid end time ministries and literature and conversation and books. Why? It is not for you to know. And it is a distraction from the mission of the church. What you don't want to do is waste your whole life caught up in all these end time theories and then you breathe your last breath and die and meet Jesus and he says, who did, you, who did you bring to heaven with you? Nobody, I didn't have time. I was trying to figure out when time was going to run out. Well, it ran out for you. But the world's still going on. Then, he, then watch what Jesus does. <laughs> he changes the subject back to his subject. Hey, look over here. Back over here. You got distracted, guys. You know, I'm a little discouraged right now. We've, we've, we've talked three and a half years, you know. Sort of expecting a little more here at the end. Verse, verse, well, he changes the subject back. Look what he says. But, it's not for you to know the time or the hour, all that. But, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria. And to the viral... You will be filled with the Holy Spirit that you might live a viral life. You might live a life of impact. You might live a life that makes a difference. When I was in college, we were, uh, I don't know how I got caught up in this, but they were going to do an outreach and, it, you know, it wasn't organized very well. And I, like on a last minute thing, I just kind of got sucked in. And we went over to a um, suburb outside of Orlando and they were going to have some kind of outreach in the park. I don't even remember. I wasn't on that team. And our job was to go door to door and just invite people that, whatever, either that Saturday or the next, I don't remember, you know, we're going to have this, whatever it was, puppets or whatever it was. So they put us in pairs of two, and we go door to door, you know, knock the door, half the people aren't there, you know, the other half they answer the door, you know, what do you want, what are you selling, not selling anything, just want to invite you, we're going to do this thing. And uh, this, this one lady came to the door, but she was, you could tell she was afraid of strangers. So she had the screen door shut and the little hook locked. She wasn't, she wasn't opening that door. And so we stood on the porch, um, me and my friend, and she said, um, so we asked her, and um, she said, well, I don't have any children, but, you know, thanks for coming. And we said, well, before we leave, can, can we, is there anything we can pray with you about? And she said, um, 
yeah, my, my back is uh, in terrible pain. Like just standing here is hurting me, and I'm, I don't know what to do. We said, okay, so we'll, we'll pray for you. So uh, me and my friend, I, I don't know why I did this. I don't remember ever doing it before. I just put my hands behind my back, and, and I closed my eyes, and we started to pray. And I, I opened my eyes, and I looked up, and she had this look on her face like, like she, she was a little, like she'd seen a ghost. And she said, did you touch me? I said, no, ma'am. I, like, my hands are behind my back. I, I, I didn't, there's a screen doors there. I mean, I, I didn't, she goes, somebody touched my back. And I said, no, ma'am, I, I didn't touch your back. I said, well, how does it feel? She said, it feels better. And I said, I know who touched your back. She said, who? I said, it was Jesus. And, and watch, watch, watch this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and right there, look, I'm not a pastor, I'm not ordained, I'm not nothing. I'm a, I'm a college student. I'm a nobody from nowhere with nothing. Standing on her porch. And I just offered a simple prayer. I didn't do anything weird. But right there on the front porch in St. Cloud, Florida, the presence and the power of God moved into that little lady's life. Why? Because Jesus said, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and you will be filled with power. And so when you make that moment available to God, you'll be surprised how He'll use those simple little moments. See, God wants to give you power to share your faith. Not so you can lift weights or run a marathon or lose weight or whatever. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you with power to be a witness. Why would God give you His power if you aren't going to use it for His purpose? There's one thing Jesus asks you to do, and that is to be part of the gospel going viral. How do you live a life that goes viral? Last, last point. Number four, gather with the church and pray. Acts 1.14, they all joined, look at this, together, constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Two, two key thoughts here. They gathered together and they prayed constantly. The normal behavior for people who make a difference is that they meet together and they pray together. That's what the early church did, and this is how their faith went viral. The great challenge of the modern church is we don't meet together and we don't pray together. We're too busy. So how do we meet together at Kingwood? Right now, that's what we're doing. And we do it in life groups. And as you heard me say earlier, if you don't have one yet, get one. Why? Because people who meet together's faith goes viral. People who live isolated's faith does not go viral. So you have to be doing this faith journey with somebody else. If the church is the bride of Christ, then the church is our mother. She might not be perfect, but she's our mother. And we have to value her and meet with her and get deep with her. So when do we pray then? If that's when we meet together, when will we pray together? We've seen great momentum in our church in the last year in prayer. 
Tonight we have a prayer meeting called Core Prayer. We do the third Sunday night of every month right before Soak at 5 o'clock. And because the Bible teaches people whose faith goes viral pray together, we are trying to figure out ways we as a church in a busy 21st century society can pray together. And so we call it Core Prayer. At Core Prayer we have life groups in our church that are centered around prayer. And those prayer groups come to Core Prayer. We have people with the gift of intercession. Those people with the gift of intercession come to core prayer. And everybody who's a leader at Kingwood Church comes to core prayer, or at least half of them do. I haven't gotten the other half there yet. But we pray together, and those leaders and those intercessors and those prayer groups take those prayer thoughts and they drive them deep into their own prayer lives and their own prayer ministries throughout the rest of the month. Now, it's going really, really good. Our prayer has increased it's gone up and up and up and up for at least a year. But it can go better. When do you gather with the church and pray? If gathering together with the church and praying is what makes faith go viral, then the question is, when do you gather with the church and pray? That's when we do it. Because it makes our faith go viral. Acts 2.1 When the day of Pentecost came, here we go, they were all together in one place what what was Pentecost why does it say on Pentecost Pentecost was one of two great festivals in the Jewish calendar Passover and Pentecost and Pentecost was a great celebration because it was when the um, spring harvest had come in the first wave of the harvest had come in and so they would harvest it and they would bring you know how we talked about tithing today this is one of the ways they tithe they would bring the first fruits the best the first wave of harvest that came in they would gather it up and they would bring it to God and offer it as an offering and it was a great time of celebration it was a party big party they'd celebrate and they would thank God that he'd been faithful to them for another year and they would celebrate it was an incredible time Acts 2, 2 through 4. Right in the middle of Pentecost harvest celebration, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, just like he said. Just like he said, the chapter before and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them right in the middle of this ancient festival of Pentecost they're celebrating the first part of the harvest to come in and Jesus pours the Holy Spirit out on the church for the first time in history now watch watch the outpouring of the Holy Spirit symbolizes if the if the if Pentecost was the first fruit of the harvest then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost symbolizes at the beginning of the church the first time the church is being sent into the world in the power of the Holy Spirit. And within 30 years, tens of thousands of people had not only heard the message, but received the message and become believers in 32 countries. That's viral faith. That's a viral mission. So this morning, today just so happens to be Pentecost Sunday. Did you know that? 2,000 years ago, 
when the Jewish believers were together, when the disciples were together, when those 120 were together celebrating Pentecost, celebrating the, the spring harvest, Jesus said, you think that's a harvest? I'll give you a harvest. And the Holy Spirit was poured out on those young believers. And the church exploded. Today, as we end this service, I want us to pray. And I want us to ask God to pour out the Holy Spirit on us. Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit since you believed? Would you stand with me this morning? our prayer team to come. And I want to remind you tonight we'll be talking more about Pentecost and the gift of the Holy Spirit at Soak. And I would encourage you with all my heart to come and join us tonight at Soak. With every eye closed and your hearts open Maybe you're here and you say, I've already been filled with the Spirit. Great. Has that filling of the Holy Spirit caused you to look for opportunities to share your faith and to pray for and with people? If it hasn't, if it doesn't, you need to be filled again. Maybe you say, if I'm honest, I really struggle to reach out. I've never, I've never shared my faith. I've never prayed with anyone. I've never invited anyone to church. Then you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Until we are so full of the Holy Spirit that we are inviting our friends to church and praying for our lost friends and asking God for opportunities to share our faith, then we're not full enough. And so my encouragement to you today is, Receive the Holy Spirit. Some of you this morning are hungry. You want God to do something in your life. You know something is wrong. You know something is missing. And you feel like you're just going through the motions. And my encouragement to you today is receive the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit breathe new life and new power. Some of you are just hungry and you know there's something empty and there's something missing and there's something wrong and you're going through the motions and you say, what, what do I do now? Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And God will touch you. So today if you're in this room and you say, I, I need, I, I don't care what you've experienced before, I don't care where you've been, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you've been in church all your life, I don't care if it's your first Sunday. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. You say, today, in my heart, I'm hungry. And I, I need the power of God in my life today. I need the power of God in my life. Would you just lift your hand and say, that's me? I need the power and the presence of God. I'm hungry in my soul, and I, I need His power in a deeper way. Just as your hand is up, I want you to step out and come to one of the prayer team now and let them begin to pray for you. Come on, with your, as you lifted your hand, I want you to come right now. I want you to come right now. Come on, right now. Come on, right now. Come right now. As the worship team begins to sing, I want you to come right now and say, I need the power of God in my life. 
I need the presence of God. I need God to do something in me that hasn't been happening. That hasn't been happening. I'm hungry today. I need the presence of God in my life to wash and to free, to strengthen, to give me power to live more like Jesus. To send me out. To shake me from where I am. To uproot me. To move me. Change me. Open your hands like this and say, Lord, today. Come on, come on and just worship and say, Lord, today, fill me. Lord, today, by your mercy, by your grace, fill me today, Lord. Fill me today, Lord. God, fill me today. Fill me today. God, with your presence, with your power, with your strength, God, fill me today. Your past is broken. God, just fill me. You can move on this overnight. God, fill me today. Here in the presence of the strength, new power, new life. Wash away. Wash today. Wash Stay and worship or pray. We'd love to have you stay. God bless you. Have a good day.